0: Once you have a customer, continue giving them more stuff. They're a customer for a reason. Hey, podcast listener. You're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com podcast. Hey
1: everybody, we're back with another edition of the podcast. I'm David Allen, and we got a really interesting guest here today that was recommended to me by another guest, uh, Justin Goff, we had on the show by the time this is live. You'll have heard Justin's episode. Uh, His name is Mike Abramoff, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, and he is a digital marketer, a copywriter, he's in the direct response, and we're going to find out everything about him in the next little while here as he starts by detailing his sort of superhero origin story. Mike, welcome to the show.
0: I appreciate you having me on, man. It's honor. It,
1: it's awesome to have you on, and uh, you were recommended, like I said, by Justin, and uh, Justin's a good guy, so he knows what's what. So maybe start... Because I know v- very little about you other than what Justin told me on and off the air. So maybe uh, give me sort of the rundown of where you were, who you were, and how you have uh, ascended to where you're at now.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, growing up, I was obsessed with basketball. Um, I thought I was going to the NBA as every tall athlete thinks they are. <laughs> <wasn't it>? like, <laughs> Myself so,
1: included, actually.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> I actually came across a sales page from the web one night looking at, Basketball training and drills and tips and, and kind of stuff like that. And I ended up buying it. I sent over a testimonial a couple of years later to the actual to the owner, and he was really impressed with the testimonial. Was like, you know what? I need great, dedicated guys like you. Would you mind helping me out with a little bit of customer service? And he, he'd pay me and all that. So I was like, at, I was sixteen at the time, so I was like, wow. yeah, let's let's do it. That's awesome. Which is a risky thing for him to do, but I'm glad he did. <laughs> So for the next couple months, I kind of answered emails, did whatever I needed to do. And he just kept on giving me more and more responsibility to the point where when I was 18, he asked me, he sent me an email. And he literally just said, do you want to make more money? Question <laughs> mark. I'm 18 at the time. So I'm, the answer is yes. All caps, <laughs> four exclamation points. I'm, I'm in. And no he, brainer. Yeah. He asked if I could write um, some content emails about basketball. Okay. So I, I did just that. Um, from there, the relationship kind of flourished and I started doing a, a lot a lot more stuff in terms of actual copywriting. I mean, I, I edited some upsell pages for him and sales pages and then writing full funnels out. Um, and, and that's how kind of I came to be where I am today. So that's basically, uh, you know, you lucked
1: into, in a way, this guy who happened to be a pretty, by the sounds of it, a pretty advanced marketer on his own accord.
0: Yes, 100%.
1: <laughs> okay. So yeah, that was pretty lucky that you decided to buy that product.
0: Oh, 100%. I... I- it's actually really interesting because the only reason why I saw the product was because I had the stomach flu. So oh wow! And, so the only thing I did that day is instead of going to, to school, I Googled stuff about basketball. Hmm. So if I hadn't had the stomach flu, I would have never got into this. It's weird how that works like that. Uh, it's, it's crazy. We were talking
1: off the air and people have heard this story probably 10 times on this podcast now, so I won't uh, go into it. But you know, that's sort of how I learned about Gary Halbert and getting into it was through a product uh, similarly. And that's uh, it's just weird how one little thing, you know, you may order something or buy something that just leads down this rabbit hole.
0: Yeah. And it's, I'm just, I'm thankful for it. It's, it's definitely, uh, an awesome lifestyle.
1: So once you started, uh, you know, this guy started upping your responsibility and and your pay. What sort of things did he have, specific things that he wanted you to read, to go through uh, courses, he recommended books? I mean, would he try to educate you uh, internally or did you, were you looking outside for things?
0: It was a little bit of both. I was very fortunate because he was a, a fairly decent copyright at the time. So he could sit down with me and say, hey, go line by line and say, hey, I don't like this. I like this. Change this. This could be better. And this is why. But the majority of my education was just through trial and error. I did read um, I mean, like you have John Caples, right? I read sure. everything single Dan Kennedy book out there. Um, I read breakthrough advertising, a bunch of Ogilvy stuff, Robert Collier, all of them, even right. helper stuff. But the majority of my education was through trial and error, just kind of all writing right. something, sending to him, sending it to him. And then he would send it back all marked up, which is great for me. Um, and and that's, right. that's how I kind of started. it. So, so he was like your copy. Chief, basically. Yeah, I was a little cub at the time. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. So, how long did you stay with that company?
0: Um, Six years. Okay. So, yeah, that was from so 18 to
1: 24. And how old are you now?
0: No. So, that was from 16, oh, 16 to 22. 16 to 22. And I'm 22 now. Okay. So,
1: you just basically just recently left? Mm hmm. Yep. Okay. Okay. And that probably uh, goes right into what Justin had to say about uh, you, you uh, finding another job with somebody else.
0: Yeah. I, um, I reached out to Justin and, and he connected me with a couple of people that he knew. Uh, in all sorts of niches and said, you know, th- this guy knows what he's doing. Um, and that's how we kind of got connected. And I've been working for uh, a couple of people since then.
1: Okay, cool. That's good to have a connection. I don't think we can overstate that on this show, uh, whether it's going to live events or uh, reaching out to your network, like you do with Justin. Uh, that's a, Those are powerful things that can get you in front of uh,
0: the proper clients. Definitely. I've gotten every single one of my clients or sort of gigs through referrals. Okay. Every, every single one.
1: So when you left this company, did, uh, I mean, what was the owner? Was he sad or, you know, did he like go, go get it? You know, what was the sort of. Uh, we,
0: um, we, we had a, a little bit of a falling out in terms of uh, it was time to renegotiate in terms of our agreement. We couldn't just uh, see eye to eye on certain things. And it mm-hmm. was time to just part ways. Uh, there's no bad blood on, on either end. So um, it didn't, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be.
1: Right. Now, at that point, were you like confident that you could take the skills that you learned and and parlay that into something new? Or was there some trepidation because that was your first
0: job? I was a little bit hesitant at first. Uh, I took kind of a week to kind of, not grief about it, but but just sort of understand what had happened and, and my options and all that. When I reached out to Justin, he was really helpful in terms of calming me down and letting me know that these things do happen. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm very grateful for that because I think it really skyrocketed everything else. And where
1: did you first
0: uh, meet Justin? I met Justin actually. He was a good friend of the past owner
1: Okay, very interesting. That's funny that uh, how things work out sometimes is somebody that's uh, super good friends with the other guy who you're having a little acrimony with uh, ends up referring you to somebody
0: else. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> so maybe for people that are, are young, uh, like you are, um, maybe take us through, you know, maybe some of the uh, important ways. Maybe you wished you'd educated yourself, you know, aside from what you actually did. And sort of maybe some of the lessons you learned along the way of being you know, quite a young person, I would say, to get sort of get into things and get moving so fast.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that's set me apart in in Justin's eyes was, I think most copywriters just focus on, on the actual writing of copy, which is extremely important. But I think that kind of puts you in a box. And what I mean by that is, it's important to learn about funnels and customer acquisition and everything. Because when you can approach a company or a client with that full package, and that full understanding of not only can I write copy, but I also can, can take the customer from where, you, f- from where he is and take him to where you want him to be. That's right. super important. Um, so that's what I wish I learned a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm.
1: So that, so sort of the big picture from start to finish.
0: Yeah, because I mean, there are plenty of copywriters that you can just give them a product and say, hey, here's the market, write a sales page. And a ton of them can do it. Right. But if you ask them for specific upsells, downsells, things that work in terms of pitching them on something else in the future, continuation products, continuity, a lot of them are stumped. Right. And that's what I think sets apart a lot of copywriters.
1: Yeah, when Justin, uh, on Justin's uh, episode, he talked a lot about that. He talked about having that complete package as a copywriter to sell yourself because he said that a lot of direct response companies are looking for people in sort of that, you know, that middle range, I guess. They've had low-end copywriters who charge a couple grand for things and and they can't afford yet, perhaps, the people that are at the absolute zenith. So they're looking for those people in that sweet spot, sort of in the middle, sort of in the uh, over ten thousand dollar range, perhaps uh, that you know have those
0: extra skills,
1: you know, to bring to the bring to the table and maybe take charge of the marketing department and some of these direct response companies.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a, lo- a lot of people can charge you know ten k for a full funnel, but when you have everything in place to make sure that you're not just creating a one time purchase, but you increase the LTV, you can easily. Spike your prices and it's warranted. People are okay with that because they know that they'll make more money on the back end.
1: Now, for people who didn't have the, you know uh, the luck, if you will, of uh, stumbling into uh, a job w- with somebody who was already advanced at marketing, what would you recommend for people if they're trying to learn some of these extra things? Cause I know some of the things I've sort of done to get up to speed on different, uh, respond, you know, products and so forth I've purchased, but maybe from your point of view, you know, what things could you recommend to people who are looking to add those extra skills to maybe their copy?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it boils down to reading as much as you can. And, right. and I say that with, with a caveat, I mean, a lot of people tend to just buy 30 different books and then they go through each one and then right. they don't really learn anything at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I would choose three to four books and reread them over and over and over again, which sounds really daunting and annoying. Right. But I think it's really important to really cement some of the concepts inside of these. And, and that's what I did. I mean, I read everything that Dan Kennedy has ever put out multiple times. Right. And I think that's what kind of helped me because I, I could learn it and then I could implement it in the actual business. Right.
1: And, and he sort of covers all those things from the customer acquisition all the way through the back end and so forth.
0: Everything. Even like time management stuff, which I think is super important.
1: Uh, is there other, is there any particular books of Dan's that you thought particularly helpful that spring to mind?
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, the ultimate marketing plan, uh, mm-hmm. the ultimate sales letter, um, and then all his entire no BS right. catalog of books, uh, was really good. I really also enjoyed, uh, all of Joe Sugarman's stuff, mm-hmm. especially the Adweek copywriting handbook. That was really good. And I'm trying to think what else. And I really enjoyed, um, Schwab's how to write a good advertisement. Right. Victor Schwab. Yeah. Those are, those are kind of, I find myself going back to those books more and more just kind of to, to refresh.
1: Now, did, when you uh, were part of this original company you started to work for, had he given you those books or had you just gone out into the interwebs and, and, and searched those out?
0: He basically told me, read X, Y, and Z. When you're done, let me know and then I'll give you more books to read. Okay. So he was very proactive in educating you. Very, very, which, is, which was great for me. And, and again, I can't stress how lucky I was. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> in all of this.
1: <laughs> and it's different nowadays, I guess, because even six years ago, I mean, it was a different world. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't quite, I mean, it was, obviously, the internet was still here and stuff. But I remember, I remember my first day on the internet. Uh, you know, I paid at a bookstore to get on the internet for the first time, like a dollar an hour or $2 an hour or something. I can't remember. And that wasn't that long ago. You know, so it was. Uh, it's interesting now that, they, I mean, there's a lot of stuff at people's fingertips now, but there's also seeming uh, a lot of overwhelm. And some of the questions I get from people who are getting into copywriting or, or who are sort of in that first couple of years, they want to know, aside from, you know, maybe some of the more modern things, too, that people have put out in the last five or years or so that are more because funnel became such a buzzword and so forth. Uh, yeah. You know, what, what sort of things do you recommend on that front? Is there, is there products you've uh, indulged in that have helped you?
0: I haven't. One thing that I, I've tried my best to do is, is kind of go back to some of the contemporary stuff. I never really got into the, the, the newer stuff because I feel like there's certain principles that will never go away in direct marketing. Right, and I think as soon as we start deviating from that, and we want just the new, new best thing, things start to kind of crumble. Right. So I've tried my best to stick to the 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 proven guys who have done this in the '50s, '60s, and even before that.
1: Right. That's a good. That's good advice, I think, because it's easy to get caught up in that sort of shiny object.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to just read a blog. Yeah, and just be like, "Oh, okay, cool. I know what I'm going to do to make a million next week." No, I mean, that's not, the, <laughs> not the way it works. I, you, I want to really, give, you may want to give out the, answer, the address to that blog. You know? Yeah, I, I wish. I wish that's how it works, but unfortunately, <laughs> um, there's a lot of testing that goes into these things. And at least for me, I think that's what, that's one of the the biggest problems that I see when other people approach me is send me their stuff and I take a look and I'm like, okay, what, the, what does the data say? And they go, huh, data? And I'm like, all right, well, let's let's work on that first.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been in my experience and you can speak to your experience is that they're just, although testing, it seems to be a very time-honored direct response you know, thing, part of the direct response world. It doesn't seem like a lot of people that I've come across are really, uh, unless you're a super high-end marketer or you know someone like Agora or something. Uh, you're not, people aren't testing anywhere near what you think they would be.
0: Yeah. And I think it stems from a, I don't want to say a a lack of understanding how to test. I mean, I think we all know on some level that we can split test things. I think they just don't know how they could. Um, And I think that's the biggest problem. And there are plenty of of, of softwares out there. Like, I mean, VWO will let you split test things for, for fairly a cheap price. I know certain email service providers, depending on what you're using, you can send out different subject lines, Right. test things that way. And I, I think if more people did that, they'd see a much bigger, not only response, but more results. Yeah, because you're really,
1: I mean, and this is, we're probably, uh, you know, for people listening to this, people taking the time to listen to something like this, they may, they may be beating a dead horse, but I think it bears repeating you know, often enough, is that you're leaving a lot of money on the table if you don't continue to try to beat what, what's going on right now. I mean, that's the, the biggest companies like, you know, Agora and Rodale and, and Phillips in the past and so forth. They they were like constantly trying to beat themselves.
0: Yeah. And then one of my biggest clients, I mean, I've rewritten their sales page maybe four times and it's not because it didn't do well. I beat their control. It's just once I get data back, right. it's always great for me to go back and, and continue kind of fine tuning things.
1: So what sort of things have you seen? If you're going to give an example for somebody, you know, maybe they're Maybe they're not involved in that or they don't work for somebody. They don't have any clients that are, that are that aggressive. What? How should they broach that subject and what sort of avenue should they go down?
0: In terms of like what they do wrong with their funnels? or Yeah,
1: what they do wrong and then maybe how, how should you, like let's say you, there's been people I've worked for where I didn't have control of the thing. You know, I just wrote the sales page or I wrote the opt-in page a squeeze page or I wrote certain aspects, but I, I didn't have any control of the funnel like from start to finish. And that obviously makes it harder. Because there's a lack of congruency often. And I always try to pitch people on more, making that all one thing. But uh, for you, you know, how would you approach people that maybe, you know, the client to explain to them some of this stuff about how this all needs to be sort of one message. And also some of the mistakes that people are making in their funnels that are like either easily correctable or just
0: blatant. Sure, I think if, if you have a proven track record, it's very easy to show them and say, hey, let me do this. Um, If you don't, um, for a lot of people who are starting out, I think doing that one opt-in or that one sales page without the congruency of the funnel is is important to show them that you have the skills, right? And then once you do that first project, on the second and third project, that's when you can approach them and say, hey, I I could easily do this, but I I want the company to swing for the fences, right? right. I want to take care of this entire funnel from start to finish. And once you have that trust built in, it's very easy to kind of let them have, let, let them give you, um, the full freedom to do that. Yeah. Um, as far as what people do wrong with their funnels, um, some of the big stuff is is probably just a lot of times I see people being scared to sell. And I don't know if that's a, a problem with, with they feel manipulative or they don't like the way it feels, which is completely fine. Um, but to be specific, I mean, certain people don't have even follow-up sequences, which which is nuts to me. <laughs> and when they do, they don't ask for the sale. They like kind of tiptoe around it, right? Using generalities and stuff. They're not specific. They're not granular. They're not talking to one person. They're yeah. not saying, hey, buy you get this. Buy this. <laughs> yeah. And, and one of the most, I mean, one of the most revolutionary things that, that I've learned, which seems super kind of simple is David Deutsch, he, he and I spoke for a while and he Basically said, you know, it's supposed to be like bar talk, right? right? If you wouldn't approach this person at a bar and say the exact same thing that you're saying, why would you write it, right? And that's something that blew my mind. And it, it seems so simple, but I, I haven't, I wasn't writing in such a conversational tone. So I think it starts with them being scared to sell, and then when they do sell, they sound like a used car salesman. So I think it's finding that medium is kind of. That sweet spot is, right. is what's important. Other stuff is is like, there's no list segmentation in a lot of the clients that I work with for some reason, um, which is huge because if you're selling the same thing to people who, who might not want it, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. Yeah, um, And then again, the, just the testing stuff. I think that's super important. And I know it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse, but it's, it's something that's really, really important. So when
1: you go, uh, let's say you get a new, I know you have a couple clients now that you're working for, but let's say, uh, you get a new client when you're providing the, uh, package, whatever they're getting you to do, are you providing a number of headlines and stuff to test? Are you, uh, what sort of things would you give them for maybe people, uh, that are new to copy? They're not sure even what, you know, how much to give the people or how much, you know, they should be giving for their, for their fees or whatever, you know, just.
0: So, um, like when I write email packages, uh, for clients, I definitely try to give them two or three subject lines to test out if they have that capability. A lot of times, before I even start writing, I ask for their old stuff to kind of look at and see what's working and what's not for what they have. And then from there, I I craft something that I think would would do well for them. So I'm I'm always trying to give them things to test, whether it be a subject line, a headline, uh, moving things around, etc.
1: And that goes the for the same for sales pages and squeeze pages and yep. stuff like that very nice very nice you know are there any things that perhaps you know in your relatively short career i guess uh are the things that struck you as counterintuitive where you thought well i didn't think it worked that way or i would have never figured that out and something hadn't told me or whatever oh
0: man That's like, like justin i'll give you a, i'll give you an example yeah uh
1: justin and this seems probably obvious to a lot of people too. Uh, but it bears repeating I think too is he said that you know the easiest thing to sell somebody once they bought something is more of the same.
0: Yeah, you know? that's what I was going to say.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> Actually. I, you know, and that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it seems counterintuitive because you think if they just bought let's let's say you just bought a copywriting course, let's say why would you want another copywriting course? And that seems very counterintuitive because you like you think I got that handled. I just bought one, but uh, it does work that way.
0: Yeah, and I think that kind of go, kind of connects with the previous question you asked me too, as well as the, what they do wrong with their funnel, is once you have a customer, continue giving them more stuff. They're a customer for a reason, right? So I, I think that's the number one thing. Right, it's sort of the back end. Mm-hmm. This
1: has been a really great conversation, man. You're a lot of fun to talk to, and you've got a lot of uh, knowledge for being so, uh, I hate to say so young, because that sounds like demeaning. But, uh, I mean, you obviously, you've obviously got into this at the right time in your life very early, you know, and seems like you're making
0: the most of it. Ah, man, I, I appreciate you having me on. Seriously, it's it's been it's been awesome.
1: Uh, if people are looking to get in touch with you personally, where can they find you, and how do they get in touch?
0: Sure, um, there's a couple ways. Uh, feel okay. free to add me on Facebook and, and let's let's chat. Um, it's okay. under Mike Abramov, okay. um, and my website, mikeabramov.com. Super original, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but those would be the best places to uh, to contact me. There, there should be a contact form. Uh, on my website, as well as you're more than welcome to uh, hit me up on uh, on Facebook.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, it's been a real pleasure. I want to thank you for taking the time out to come on the show and and help educate our audience. Because uh, it's been and it's been a lot of fun too uh, for everybody else. We'll be back again with another exciting guest, hopefully uh, half as funny and insightful as Mike Abramov.
0: Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the Autoresponder Guide. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter, and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing, and much more.